So we're starting this brand new series called Embracing Forgiveness. And, and honestly, I am glad that we are going to work through this topic because forgiveness is one of those things that at times can be uh, misunderstood, uh, maybe mismanaged, even misused. And while it's true that when it comes to forgiveness, some of you may be slow to seek it out or even slow to offer it, it doesn't change the fact that forgiveness is a universal need, right? I mean, it really is. Without forgiveness, life would be filled with bitterness and abandonment and discouragement. <clears throat> life would be filled with, um, with fear and unhappiness and division. Without forgiveness, there would be no reconciliation. No reconciliation between you and somebody else. No reconciliation between you and God. So yeah, forgiveness, it really is a critical, universal need. And as we get going, before I dive into my message, just to make sure that we're all on the same page, what I'd like to do is just share with you some of the more common levels of forgiveness that we'll be touching on in this series. <clears throat> At the lowest, most basic level of forgiveness, I think you could call it just forgiving yourself. And I say that because it's easy to forgive yourself. A lot of people do that, and yet, and yet there are times when people struggle with forgiving themselves for something that they've done. I know people who haven't forgiven themselves for years. So next week, Pastor Mark will be in here, and he'll devote the entire message to answering the question, how do I forgive myself? Next level up would be the level of forgiveness we'll call just forgiving others. Uh, many of you have already enjoyed receiving forgiveness from somebody else, and you know how freeing and how wonderful that is. But if you're like me and like Christina, who just talked about her and her sister Amanda, you also know there are times when it's hard to forgive somebody else. And so in two weeks, we'll tackle that. We'll talk about how to forgive other people. And then at the, what I will call the highest level, okay, the ultimate level of forgiveness is forgiveness received from God. All right, and, and this level of forgiveness is different than the other first two levels in the sense that with those first two levels of forgiveness, you are the one doing the offering, right? You're offering it to yourself. You're offering it to somebody else. In this case, with this ultimate level of forgiveness, you are on the receiving end. And here's what's so amazing, okay? When you are able to enjoy, when you find and enjoy this ultimate level of forgiveness offered by God, it is what then empowers you to forgive yourself. It is what then enables you to forget to forgive others. How cool is that, right? So that's the that that level of ultimate forgiveness. That's what I want to look at today. I want to talk about how we can find that ultimate level of forgiveness from God. And to do that, we're going to work through a very very familiar story in Luke chapter fifteen. It's the story of the prodigal son. No, a lot of you are familiar with it, um, but it's it, it's a great story and it tells it teaches a very powerful lesson. Let me jump right in. Verses 11, 12, and 13, Jesus says, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. Now, just in case you haven't figured it out yet, this story is a story about God and your need for his forgiveness. And that's because all of you here, all of you watching online right now, all of us are sinners. 
We need God's forgiveness. I mean, the Bible is pretty plain and, and states very clearly all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So here's why I share that with you. As I work through this story, what I want to do is I want to challenge you to think of yourself as that runaway son who needs to come back home, okay? Don't think to yourself, oh, I've heard this story dozens of times. I do not need to listen to this. Or Pastor Zardi talk on and on. I don't need to, I'm fine. I don't need, somebody else might need to hear about this, but I don't. I'm the exception. <laughs> oh, no, you're not. So no, the fact of the matter is you aren't. That's not true. Based on what I can read here in Ecclesiastes 7, where it says there was no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. So yes, because you are a sinner, this story of the prodigal son is for you. It's about you. And the good news is that like the earthly father in the story, God, your heavenly father wants to forgive you, right? He wants to welcome you back and, and he wants to um, restore you back into his relation, uh, restore his relationship back with you. He, he wants to restore that. So, so, um, and, and of course that's all through, through Jesus. That's all through Jesus. But as we talk about this today, as we talk about finding and enjoying this ultimate level of forgiveness offered by God, there are a couple of things I think you just want to keep in mind, all right? First thing is that you need to recognize your need for God, right? You need God. And the reason why is because, again, we're all strugglers with sin. You need God. I need God. We all need God because of our struggle with sin. Um, and, 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 uh, and, and here's why. When you use your free will as a struggler with sin, when you use your free will to go a different path than the path that God has established, chances are that this path is going to end up poorly for you. It's just things are not going to turn out well. And in fact, that's the idea behind the word prodigal. I don't know if you've ever thought about what does the word prodigal mean? That's not a word we use ever. So what does that word mean? Well, it can mean a number of things. I looked it up. It can mean, you know, somebody who runs away, of course, but it could also mean somebody who lives recklessly. It can mean to be wastefully extravagant. All makes sense. But then I came across this definition that I really like, and it's this. A prodigal is someone who leaves a better way of life for a lesser way of life. And I really like that. That's a prodigal. Someone who says, no, to the best, and yes, to less. Now, in our story, this prodigal son leaves home, blows through all of his cash, and having left a better way of life, quickly realizes he's experiencing a lesser way of life. Look at this. We go on in verses 14, 15, and 16. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. That son was so hungry that what the pigs were eating looked good. Okay, that's nuts. How, have you ever been that hungry where maybe you're coming out of a ball game downtown Cleveland, you walk by a trash can, there's a half-eaten Big Mac, and you're like, ooh, lunch. <laughs> no, you don't think that. But that's what he was thinking because he was hungry. He was looking at the slop of the pig's rings, like, it looks good. And because nobody had given him anything to eat. Okay, now here's the next verse, and this is where turn or change happens. Look at the, listen to this. When he came to his senses, 
He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Hey, now you need to pay attention to what just happened here. The son recognizes that what he had been experiencing was a lesser way of life compared to what he had enjoyed earlier at home, which was a much better way of life, right? So he recognizes, he's processing this. He's processing the fact that he has settled for something far less than the best. So he thinks about all of this. And I share that with you because that's the first step in recognizing your need for God. You need to consider what you have done in sin. In order to find and enjoy this ultimate level of forgiveness that God offers, the first thing you need to do is you need to come to your senses like that son, you know, like in the story, and you need to consider the fact that your sin has led you to settle for something far less than God's best. Now, obviously, that's not how sin begins, right? When you start to sin, in your mind, you're thinking, this will be good. This will be fun. It'll make me popular. No one's going to find out. I deserve this, right? That's what your mind is telling you. And I'm sure that's what the prodigal son had going on in his mind. I've got money to burn. This is going to be fun. I'm going to be popular. And yet, in the end, he finds himself living with a bunch of pigs, which, by the way, I think is a brilliant illustration of the filth of sin. Isaiah 64 says, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Because of your sin, every good thing that you could possibly muster is polluted with sin. It is like a polluted, filthy rag in God's eyes. Right? Now, I looked up the word, the phrase filthy rags in the Hebrew, and um, it's, it's not the same thing as like when you got a towel and you've been out working in the yard and your, your towel gets dirty from working in the dirt and stuff like that. It's actually translated a soiled garment. Okay, in today's vernacular, think total diaper blowout. See, now you know, don't you? You know what that, oh, wow. Yeah, it's that bad. That's what that word means. It can actually be worse, and I won't go there. But it's total diaper blowout. And if, you, if you've had kids, and I've had grandkids, so I'm relearning this whole thing again. And, and it's just, it's everywhere, right? It's on their clothes, and it's on their skin, and it stings. That's sin. It stinks. It's awful. It pollutes everything. And here's the thing, sin makes you actually willing to settle for something less than God's best. What's worse, what's worse is that as you are trapped in this sin, and before you come to your senses and consider what you've done, you don't care. You don't care that you have settled for something far less than God's best. You don't care that your life is in total diaper blowout mode. You're like, I'm fine. You know, I I can deal with this. Now, the Holy Spirit does care, thanks be to God. And he's constantly working you, trying to get you to wake up, trying to snap you out of this, get you to consider what you've done and to realize that your sin has indeed caused you to exchange God's very best for something less. However, as you come to your senses and you recognize, oh yeah, I messed up. I want you to also remember this very important truth. Okay. And here, never forget this. Always remember that God is the one who took the first step towards you. Never forget that. God is the one who took the initiative in opening up the way for you 
for you to come back home to him. He did that. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So God is the one who took the first step, right? He's the one who sent Jesus to live a life of perfect obedience for you, to die an innocent death on a cross for you, to be raised from the dead victoriously for you. God took the first step. He made that way back to him possible for you so that you could be welcomed back home and restored. So bottom line is for you to find and enjoy this ultimate level of forgiveness, okay? You need to to recognize the fact that you need God. You need him. You need God. And so as you consider what you've done in sin, okay, once you kind of, you know, put two and two together and you realize, yeah, of my own free will, I have settled for something far less than God's best, Keep in mind this other very important truth. I told you never forget that God has taken the first step. He has taken the first step to, you know, he's done everything that needs to be done to open up the way for you to come back to him, to come back home. Nothing else needs to happen. Which leads me then to this second area that I want you to keep in mind when it comes to finding and enjoying this ultimate level of God's forgiveness. And it's this, at some point you need to go to God in humble repentance, right? Absolutely. Once the runaway son comes to his senses, he says this in verses 18, 19, and 20. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Okay, so what does the son do? He realizes that he made a complete mess of his life, he realizes that it's ridiculous for him to continue to live in this miserable state of life as well, especially considering that what he had earlier at home was so much better. So he recognizes that for him, this next step is repentance. He needs to admit to God and to his father he had sinned. Now, let me be clear on this, okay? Understand, as a Christ follower, your home is with God. That's where you should be. That's where God wants you to be. He wants you to have and enjoy a deep, personal, intimate relationship with him. 1 John 1 verse 3 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. See, that's God's desire for every true believer. You are his child. You're his son. You are his daughter. Praise God. But here's the thing, just as that son in the story of his own free will chose to turn his back on his father and leave the family, walk away from home, you can do the same thing. You've got the same free will. You can turn from God and walk away in sinfulness. And just as a reminder, sinfulness is is this. It's even though God is saying, here is my best for you. It's right here. Here it is. And look nice. This is my will for you right here. That's my will. It is the absolute best. Even though God is saying that, sin is you saying, I don't want that. Thanks, but no thanks, God. I know best for my life, uh, and and I know what's better. And because everybody else is doing this, I'm going to go over here. That's sin. And of course, sin separates you from your heavenly father. It, it, It severs the relationship that you have with God. So like the prodigal son, it is important for you to examine your heart, admit your sin, and turn to God in humble repentance. And as you do, 
Keep this in mind. As you do, always remember that God is, you can trust this. Trust that God is always reaching out to you in love. Okay? Even though you're walking away from him, he's still reaching out to you. He's still offering you this, this incredible uh, gift of forgiveness. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many times you've done it. It doesn't matter how long you've done it. He's always, always reaching out to you in love. In Psalm 86, verse 15, it says, You, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. What's that verse saying? It's saying that it's never too late for you to wake up, come to your senses, and turn to God for his forgiveness. It's never too late. It isn't. Okay, you are never too far gone. You are never too far away from the reach of God's love. You just aren't. So that leads me to this third thing that I want you to keep in mind when it comes to finding and enjoying this ultimate level of God's forgiveness. And it's this, you need to understand that forgiveness, you receive forgiveness through faith in Christ. Jesus is the only way back to God. Through Jesus, God offers you forgiveness. He welcomes you home with open arms. And he, and best of all, he, restore, he, he sees you as a restored, through that forgiveness, he sees you as a restored son or daughter. And it always amazes me in this story of how the father responds to his knucklehead son and treats him with grace and love and forgiveness. Look at this, verse 20. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. So he ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. That's amazing to me. You know what's even more amazing is when you turn to God, when your heavenly father in repentance, he's going to run to you. Remember, he's still reaching out to you. He will welcome you home with open arms. It does not matter how far away you may have drifted. It doesn't matter. He will always love you. He will always be moved by his grace and his mercy. And he will always, always offer you this ultimate level of his unconditional forgiveness. And that creates, it's amazing. That's what he'll do. Psalm 32, verse five. Uh, George read this a moment ago. David said, I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. When you are moved by the spirit to turn away from your sin, in repentance, to turn away from your sin, God immediately receives you back. Immediately. Not even downtime. Why? Because he loves you. He wants to, he wants to forgive you. He wants to restore you. And he wants to restore you back into his family so that you can once again enjoy the best of all his blessings. And we see that explained in the way the father receives his son back. Look at this, last couple of verses. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. He says, let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. What an incredible response by the father. What I'd like to do is just share a couple of words with you to help you understand the gravity of this response. First word is the word robe. Okay, when the restored son, when the son was restored, he was given the nicest robe, the best robe, as if to say, welcome home, son. Next word is the word calf. 
right? They killed the fatted calf for a feast. But this was more than just, you know, a barbecue. This was something that back in those days, they did only for the greatest and the biggest celebrations. This was a big deal. Third is the word sandals. We tend to just kind of skim over that word, but you need to understand back in those days, most servants and slaves walked around barefoot. They didn't have anything on their feet. So giving his son sandals said what to the son? You're no longer a servant or a slave. You're my boy, right? You're my boy. And then the last word is ring. That symbolizes that this, that this birthright between the father and his son has been restored. So even though the son had settled for something far less than the best, his dad said, you're welcome back home. It's as if you had never left. It's as if you had lost nothing. Wow. Romans 4.25 says, Jesus was handed over to die because of our sin and he was raised from the dead to make, here it is, to make us right with God. When you, re- when you recognize your need for God, turn to God in humble repentance and receive forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. You are made right with God. It's that easy. It really is. Okay, it's, you receive forgiveness. God, God restores you back into his family and it's as if you would never left as if you had lost nothing. And it's that amazing. And it's that powerful, but that's the amazing power of this ultimate level of God's forgiveness for you. So let me challenge you in a couple of ways this week. First, let me challenge you to reread the story of the prodigal son when you get home. Uh, It's from Luke 15. It's the, the last half of that chapter. Read through it. And then just as you read it, remind yourself that you are the runaway. You You are the prodigal, and God, your heavenly father is like that dad, okay? Your heavenly father is constantly reaching out to you in love, longing for you to come back home so that he can forgive you and restore you. Second, ask the Holy Spirit each day to help you examine your heart. Why? Because you sin every day. So every day, ask the Holy Spirit, do a kind of a, you know, check, check over my heart, Lord. And if you've gone off track and you catch yourself, yeah, I've settled for something far less than God's best, confess it and repent it, right? Repent of it. Then third, rejoice that through Jesus, God welcomes you back home again and again. And that's just amazing to me. But that's what he does. It doesn't matter what you've done. When you turn to him in humble repentance, God is faithful to offer you his forgiveness and restore you back into his family, just like that. And I, when I think of that, I'm just, I'm stunned. I'm, all I can think is to say, yay God, right? Yay God. You want to say that with me? Let's say it. Yay God. Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for welcoming each and every one of us back home. And not just once, but over and over and over and over again. (laughs) Yea, God. Thank you for your grace. Now, Lord, as we learn not only how to embrace this, your ultimate level of forgiveness and how to find it in the weeks that lie ahead, help us to also learn how to offer it to ourselves and to others as well. Move us, Father, to come back each week, week after week for this series, so that we can learn more of what your word teaches. We love you, Father. We love you so much. And we pray all this in the great and holy name of Jesus. And the people of all of God all said, amen. Amen.